I'm Paul Heron, and this is episode 39 of the Ani Eastin podcast. I'm dedicating this episode to Ani Eastin's 118th birthday and also to the release of the new anthology of Ani East, an international journal edited by Gunther Stuhlmann from 1983 to 2001. Let me start with this. I've been involved with Ani Eastin professionally for more than 25 years. I've published all her fiction digitally, edited a 15-volume literary journal dedicated to her called A Cafe in Space, reproduced her original band 1939 edition of The Winter of Artifice, transcribed and edited her last four unexpurgated diaries, compiled and cited 365 of her famous quotations in the quotable Anais Nin, published a collection of a sampling of her best writing in the portable Anais Nin, discovered and published her lost erotica Oletris, have run this podcast for nearly six years, visited her legendary house in Lucien on her 100th birthday, delivered papers on her work in three different countries, debunked some of the most tenacious myths surrounding her on my blog, and am currently planning a second volume of quotations. So, you may ask, who am I? Let me first clear up some possible misconceptions and tell you who I am not. I am not a scholar. I am not an English major. I am not academically qualified in any way. I am not gay. I am not a businessman. I am not after money. I am not after recognition. And no, I am not debauched. I grew up in a small town in northern Michigan, where my father was a mayor and businessman, and my mother was a bookkeeper. I got a D- minus in my 7th grade English class, with a 5 in citizenship, the worst possible rating. I was interested in one subject, science, only because I wanted to literally blow things up. I set my neighbor's lawn chair on fire with a match gun made of two clothespins that could shoot lighted kitchen matches 20 feet. I flicked BBs at my geography teacher's head with incredible precision and stealth. I'm sorry, Mrs. Seri. I'm so sorry. Thankfully, my father set me straight in eighth grade, extricating me from the swamp of remedial math classes and inspiring me to set the school record on the pre-algebra test and eventually get on the high school honor roll to my classroom's utter shock. I majored in chemistry and physics in college, but I only read books when I had to, and often faked it with Cliff's Notes or watching movie versions of classics like The Grapes of Wrath in order to do my reports. I became a high school physics teacher and a respected track coach. I got married and had two children lived in a nice house where everything was secure and comfortable, except for one thing. I knew I was not being true to my dreams. The problem was that I could not identify what my dreams were. I didn't know myself, and I didn't know how to. I didn't know what introspection was. Underneath all the trappings of a comfortable bourgeois life, I was secretly miserable hungering for something I could not articulate. I sought answers in drugs and rock and roll, and later on punk music, 
Writing and performing punk was the closest I had become to what I thought was my true self. Angry, rebellious, acting out against the mindlessness of 1980s America. But it was still unfulfilled. In 1990, I read a respectable three out of four star review in the Detroit Free Press for the first ever NC-17 movie, Henry and June. I went to see it for one reason. It was supposedly sexy. Well, that was it. That October night changed my life forever. In the film, I discovered the delicious, rich, labyrinthian world of Ani East Neen. When I went to purchase the books cited in the film, they were the first I had bought in years. I devoured them. I bought more and devoured them, too. Over the next two years, I got my real education. Neen, Henry Miller, Lawrence Durrell, D.H. Lawrence, Marcel Proust, Fyodor Dostoevsky, James Joyce, Richard Wright, Blaise Sandra, Otto Rank, C.G. Jung, Georges Simenon, Juno Barnes, and on and on. I read and read and read. Eventually, I became inspired to write. After visiting Paris to see all the old haunts of Nien and Miller, I came home and wrote a travel memoir in one night. Outside of college, I had never written a mere essay, let alone a book. I was so excited about my Paris trip that I wanted to share it with those who could appreciate what I had experienced. I noted in Robert Ferguson's biography of Miller that there was a periodical called Annie East, an international journal. I found his phone number and called. A man with a booming, German-accented voice answered. Little did I know, it was Gunther Stuhlmann, Annie Eastneen's longtime agent and co-editor, a man whom I considered a literary god. Gunther sent me some free copies of the journal, and through them I realized there existed a population of Neen aficionados, that I was not in a vacuum. Previously, I had no one, I mean no one, to whom I could gush about Ani East Neen without frightening them away. Eventually, I obtained all the issues of Ani East, and along the way I became Gunther's protege and friend. He loved my enthusiasm. He thought I was a man of 20 rather than 40. Beginning in 1994, I began collecting what would amount to 60 contributions from Neen fans, scholars, friends, enemies, and hangers-on, the most famous of whom were Allen Ginsberg and Eric Kajong, the least of whom were a doctor who posted Henry looking for his Anna East personal ads in the paper and a male ex-con pornographer who wrote as a woman. I crammed all this, nearly 400 pages worth, into a book called Anna East Neen, a Book of Mirrors. Gunther agreed to write the preface, which gave it legitimacy. I considered this an act of love on his part, a love for Ani East, which I shared with him. Ever since, it has been my mission to get Ani East Neen into the hands of as many readers as I can. The work is as relevant and valuable in today's world as it's ever been. About Gunther Stuhlmann, he was born in Germany in 1927 and suffered through World War II as an adolescent, saying that he did what he had to do to survive the Nazi regime. After the war, he went to Paris, 
and eventually came to the USA. By the mid-1950s, he had founded a literary agency that would exist for more than 50 years. Gunther became Neen's agent in 1957, when almost all of her work was out of print, when no one would publish her, when practically no one read her or knew who she was. In less than 10 years, under Gunther's steady, no-nonsensical guidance, she became an international literary star, an icon to legions of readers. Her diary, released in 1966, caused a sensation amongst readers and critics alike. Many of the critics who had panned her fiction or refused to review her at all were suddenly singing her praises. Because of Gunther's patient and relentless promotion, her fame spread to Europe and beyond. Perhaps most notably, France, Nien's motherland, where she had longed to be recognized. Now, to be sure, Gunther didn't act alone. After all, Nien was a great self-promoter, and the publisher Alan Swallow put all of Nien's fiction back into print. Not to mention, Henry Miller gave her the rights to his letters to her, which helped her set the stage for the diary. But it was Gunther Stuhlman who had guided her along the path to fame for many, mostly fruitless years. He once told me, I couldn't sell on the east on 42nd Street, but he never gave up, even when Neen herself wanted to. Gunther Stuhlman was considered by some the lion at the gate, who bluntly refused to give rights to her work to those whose intentions were not up to his high standards. He angered and frustrated many seekers long after Neen's death in 1977. Some of these people used to complain to me, but I understood why Gunther was that way, especially after Deidre Baer's scathing, moralistic, and judgmental biography in 1995. Gunther, who, with Neen executor Rupert Pohl, had given Baer exclusive access to the Neen archive, felt utterly betrayed after reading the book. They had trusted her as an objective scholar after having read her Beauvoir biography, but Neen was no Beauvoir. According to Baer, Neen was a selfish, narcissistic, lying, major-minor writer. After that, was it any wonder that Gunther mistrusted those who came knocking? One had to prove trustworthiness to him before he would open the door. Few understood this at the time. Unquestionably, Gunther had always been protective of Neen's work. Even legitimate scholars had headaches dealing with him if they didn't see eye to eye. Many resented him. Perhaps some of them didn't understand, though, that if it had not been for Gunther Stuhlman, they may have never heard of Neen in the first place. Gunther proved to be more than a literary agent. He edited Miller's letters to Neen in the mid-1960s. He helped her edit the diaries. By the way, he was listed as sole editor on the first seven volumes so that if there were any problems with the people included therein, he would be the one to take the heat, leaving Neen safe from harassment or even litigation. It wasn't ego that put his name on the covers of those books. It was dedication. In 1983, he and Rupert Pohl came up with the idea to produce a handsome and substantial journal dedicated to Neen. They dubbed it Ani East, an international journal. It would be published annually for the next 19 years. One of my dreams was to one day be published in Ani East, an international journal. To 
to write something worthy of Gunther's critical eyes. In 1997, I submitted an article called The Most Personal of Writers, which was about the difficulty of criticizing Neen academically. I knew more than one scholar who had expressed frustration at trying to capture Neen's free and soaring spirit within the confines of academic literary criticism. My point was that the two languages, one completely unbound, the other largely constricted, were incompatible. Gunther accepted my article, and nothing I had done in literature to that point satisfied me more. In the summer of 1998, I went to visit a friend in Connecticut, someone who had been planning to write about the elusive June Miller, Henry's wife. I was going to help her with the book and with her fiction. I suggested that we meet Gunther while I was there, intending to drive to his place in Massachusetts. Instead, Gunther offered to drive down with his wife Barbara and have lunch with us. On a sunny, warm day, we met at a restaurant with outdoor seating on the bank of a stream. Gunther was dressed as though he had just come from his garden, with jeans and a denim shirt, tall, jovial, with a resonant voice and a huge personality. Barbara, who was younger than Gunther, came in a summer top and skirt, her hair blonde and a little wild, very lovely. They seemed perfect together, complementing each other. His was the dominant personality. Hers was the supportive, nurturing one. Gunther came bearing gifts. Out of a cloth bag, he handed me a copy of a new book, Arrows of Longing, the letters between Anna East Neen and Felix Pollock. To my friend, he gave a copy of the journal containing my first article. It was a special moment. We drank copious amounts of wine. We came back to my friend's house and continued the wine and conversation. At one point, Gunther burst into a French drinking song about a tortue or turtle. His blue eyes were twinkling and smiling. We talked about the art of editing. He gave me advice I've never forgotten. Then, talking in a whisper, as though someone were listening, he told me about high-profile credited editors who never bothered to read the works to which they were assigned. We posed for a picture in which he is crushing me with his huge arm around me. The one thing I can say about this afternoon is that there was joy in the house for all of us. As he and Barbara drove off, the sun was low and the afterglow palpable. I would have three more articles published in Ani East International Journal, the last of which Gunther was particularly fascinated by. It was called The Cafe in Space, Ani East Neen on the Internet. For the sake of research, I had joined a list bot dedicated to Neen and was a first-hand witness to its self-destruction by members with big egos and stubborn tendencies. It imploded when they began calling each other twits and podunk asses. That year, 2000, my wife and I drove to Beckett, Massachusetts to visit Gunther and Barbara at their home in the Berkshires, a home they had built themselves during the mid-1970s after they had had their fill of New York City. They told us about how they had lived in a tent while building the house and at night were surrounded with all sorts of wildlife, including bears, with glowing eyes staring at them and ready to pounce at the mere notion of food scraps. Their house was big, spacious, and well-crafted. It was filled with African art, a passion of Gunther's. His knowledge of the art was vast and deep. He even wrote articles about it in the local art magazine, The Artful Mind. 
Barbara later gave me a photo of Gunther dressed in traditional African garb. The meals were a delight. Good food, good wines, stories, laughter. We spent two days visiting. When it was over, outside in the dark, Gunther hugged me and, with tears in his eyes, said goodbye. I was stunned by his emotion, something he rarely displayed. Maybe it was a premonition. A little more than a year later, he died from leukemia. Two years later, we came back to visit Barbara. She was still shaken by the loss of Gunther and easily moved to tears. After Gunther had met Barbara, he told a friend that not only was she brilliant, she looked like Julie Christie. They were married for 35 years. They were also partners in the literary agency, which continued to represent new and promising authors such as Richard Powers, and she helped him with the journal, too. In each issue of the journal, Gunther acknowledged her by her maiden name, Barbara Ward. Now she was alone in a house filled with Gunther's files, books, art, and still echoing spirit. But she had a new boyfriend nearby, who was a comfort and a support to her, and who kept her from descending into grief. While at the house, looking at all the boxes of unsold copies of Ani East and International Journal, I asked Barbara if I could distribute them, despite the fact that Rupert Pohl had announced that they would no longer be available to the public. Her face brightened. She said yes, emphatically. So we loaded up our PT cruiser with several boxes and took them back with us. They have since all been sold. There's only one set left, and that's in my personal collection. And now, some 15 years later, Benjamin Franklin V, the venerable Neen scholar with whom I've worked on several projects, has collaborated with me on an anthology of Gunther's journal. Ben went through the arduous task of selecting articles from the vast trove of contributions, choosing mostly academic articles concentrating on Neen's writing, which he and I consider to be very important in the clarification and understanding of the Neen canon. He also selected five of Gunther's own contributions to the journal, all of which were well-researched, captivating, and valuable. The anthology, prefaced by Ben, is nearly 300 pages long and not only contains work by Neen scholars such as Philip Jason, Patricia Lawler, and Suzette Hankey, but also Otto Rank, whose never-used introduction to Neen's childhood diary is included, as well as Kate Millett's rousing anthem, Anna Ease, A Mother to Us All. We have reproduced all of the photos from the original journal and have included an index of every article contained in the entire 19-volume set. It is a book we're proud of, and it will be an important addition to the libraries of scholars and readers alike. I believe my old friend Gunther would appreciate our efforts to preserve his journal in this form. As Ben says in his preface, for decades, Gunther Stolman served Ani Eastneen well as agent, as editor of the diary, as a clearinghouse for seemingly everything relating to her, and as editor of Ani East and International Journal. He was more devoted to Neen and her career, and for a longer period, than anybody except Hugh Geiler and Rupert Pohl. 
This book honors his commitment to her. You can order the anthology of Ani East International Journal through Amazon.com and most other online vendors. This has been the Ani East Dean Podcast. Thanks for listening. Until the next time.